Hello and welcome to the Pinch Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So we are continuing with our second series around trusting your inner guide and building relationship with self and the energies around you. We've looked at understanding and trusting your intuition in part one of this. Then we moved on to building a relationship with yourself and your own intuition. Last week, we looked at using the world as a mirror and learning from all the energies around you. And I have to say, I have chuckled every single time I've had a message left to me. Um, explaining that people have been tidying their houses. They've been cleaning out their closets. They've been chucking old food out of the pantry and restocking with fresh. They have even been cleaning under the stairs. So yes, (laughs) I'm glad you feel inspired to clean up the space that you live in from a place of nourishment and support for you. And every single time I have asked the question, do you feel better for it? And every single time the answer has been yes. So if you haven't listened yet, go back. You might feel inspired to do a little bit of spring cleaning um, or just tidying up your drawer. But you know that the environment around you is important. And so this week we move on to intuitive interactions, building relationships with energies and entities around you. Now, I love this. Um, (laughs) I was that little kid who, when I was very small, I used to lay awake and think, oh, I wish I could see a ghost. (laughs) And then I'd think to myself, oh my God, if I actually saw a ghost, I'd be terrified. And, you know, I'd sleep with the lights on just in case I could see a ghost. Um, Now, obviously, I know that you might not see things. Maybe we feel things. But anyway, but I I did. I grew up in a Cornish fishing village in in a very, very, very old fishing house. It was a couple of fishing cottages that had been knocked together and it had a ship's mast up the middle of the, the, it had a spiral wooden staircase. And I'll tell you what, that house, (laughs) it creaked and it groaned and you would hear things fall down the, the wooden staircase. And I would go and like remove it so no one tripped over it in the night when people came home and there'd be nothing there. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And so I had, I've always had this like, oh, I wish I could communicate or I wish I could see something that wasn't, that wasn't there. And then at the same time being absolutely terrified in case I did see something. (laughs) So, so perhaps you can relate with that too. So I do believe that in magic, in when we live in a magical world, everything And everything is about building relationships, relationships with ourselves, relationship with the the tools and the um, paraphernalia that we use and relationships with the energies around us. Like I said, you know, we have a relationship with our houses and, you know, last week we talked about the rooms. But this week I want to specifically talk about like um, the energies with entities, with deities, with fairies, with, you know, whatever it is, whatever energy you work with. And I'm going to share some stories to hope, I want to share some stories with you to hopefully inspire you to trust your own, your own journey. Because these are relationships that we build with the energies around us. Some people feel totally tuned in, tapped in. They're like, yes, I've got all of this energy around me. I've worked with these guides and this person and this god and goddess or, you know, this kind of entity. And they're just like really, really confident in it. And like I say, when I was a child, I was like, I wanted that so much. (laughs) Albeit at the time I only knew like maybe it was a ghost. Um, But at the same time, I wouldn't have known unless I actually saw with my eyes. And even then I would probably tell myself, oh no, it's just the lights and the shadows. 
And so how do we build relationships with things that aren't as tangible as that mug on your table? So I'm going to share my a couple of stories to hopefully make you go, oh yeah, okay, actually, yeah, perhaps maybe I've had some experiences like that, or even just to give you an insight into how how I've connected. And this is just one way. It's not the right way or, you know, not the wrong way, but it's it's how things have shown up for me. Um, so what I do want to say, first of all, is when we are working with these energies, they are relationships. And so most relationships take good relationships, I should say, take time to build. Sometimes, yes, there's an instant connection, but then to maintain that relationship, it takes effort. You know, it takes a giving and taking of time, energy and resources. So when you're starting out on this and maybe you want to, maybe you've had a suspicion that there's a particular energy trying to connect with you, or perhaps when you go out into nature, you're like, oh, I can just feel like the 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 forest or the woods or the water around me alive with more than just what you can see with your eyes. And so when we set out on this and we have the intention to connect, we always want to remember that we are surrounded by a soup of energies. In fact, just yesterday I was talking to a friend about about this and I went into like a, a piece of vision work and I could see the energies that were around us. And I was like, holy broomsticks. You know, if you ever feel alone, to know that these energies are around us, supporting us, guiding us, like willing us to 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 walk our own fate path. It was phenomenal. And, you know, I can remember when I was feeling so, so desperately alone when I was about eight or nine years old. My parents had got divorced, you know, it wasn't really talked about much back then in the 80s. And just feeling so alone. And like, I can remember being wrapped up in my duvet in bed, crying, thinking, I wish angels existed. I wish I could just have a hug. And, you know, I never felt, never felt that presence of a hug. And, you know, it probably, it's probably why I was like, oh, angels don't, don't really exist. Um, which of course now, now being older and wiser, I know that not to be true. Um, but, you know, of like really willing that energy to be around me. And now, I can sit here and say that energy is always around us, but it's just about us tuning into that frequency so that we can connect with it, so that we can commune with it, so that we can feel supported by it, so that we can, you know, just be amazed in awe and wonder by all of that energy around us. So yes, there is a soup of energy around us. Around us, Some of it is a bit dodgy, just like people. Most people are amazing and some of them a little bit dodgy. And so it is about using your discernment. So when you set out on this journey, it's always the the phrase that I learned from an intuitive that I speak that I go to is for your highest and most loving good. So always thinking the only energies you want to connect with, the only energies you're inviting into your your sphere, into your awareness are those energies that are here for your highest and most loving good. All of the other energies can jog on and keep going. Okay. They're not, you're not welcoming them into your space. So when you do this work, it's important to have a very clear intention. And if you forget, don't worry. You know, nothing horrible is going to happen, but it's just like we want to be vigilant, isn't it? It's like if you were letting people come into your house, you would 
only invite the people that you wanted in there, not just be like, hey, anyone that wants to come in off the street, in you come. And if they did come in, you're like, oh, no, sorry, not you. (laughs) And you'd ask them to leave or you'd ask your friends to help you to get them to leave. So, you know, don't worry about that. This is nothing to worry about. This is stuff that we're just always surrounded by. But the more awareness we can bring to it, the easier it is for us to navigate through this energy and bring in the support that's appropriate. So we're setting our intention. We're grounding our energy, however that feels good to you, but a way that we can stay in our own bodies. And you'll get this communication through your preferred sense. You know, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, but, you know, some people will naturally see things more because they'll be very, very visual. Some people will naturally hear things more because they're more auditory. Other people will get that sense of them. You know, sometimes you might even smell. (laughs) You might even smell things around you and go, "Mm, that's not normal for this space. What is that? But it's like, trust the sense you know like when I was little I was like oh, I want to see a ghost because it's like I'd only believe it with my own two eyes when actually who I am now well yeah I probably could see but I was more likely to feel and because that's how I do most of my my sensing and knowing is through my physical body and oh, <laughs> a story about this I have shared this before but it, it's still uh, it's, it still surprises me all these years later so when I was about I don't know, maybe 18 or 19. I don't know, just young anyway, compared with now. And um, I went to this mind-body-spirit fair in Cornwall and they had all these crystal grids laid out. It was Simon and Sue Lilly. They were the, the, the couple doing, um, they were talking about crystal networks and they had these pieces of coloured cloth on the floor and then they had these crystals, different coloured crystals in different networks and different grids on these, um, on the material. And you get to lay in them and feel the energy of the grid. They're all for different things. And I was queuing to go into one. I think it was like white with rubies or something. And this suddenly this orange one became available and there was no queue for that one. So I skipped over to there. And I'd not really been into like crystals and energies. Like I kind of knew about it, but not really enough to understand what I was about to do. And I I lay down in the crystal grid. And all I can remember is suddenly just crying. I just had floods of tears coming down my face. And honestly, I was mortified. At that time, I couldn't even like pick up a phone to make a phone call to someone. I, I, you know, at one point I had to like change a doctor's appointment and I couldn't. I had to get a friend to phone up and rearrange the appointment for me. So I was just like so nervous about talking on the phone. So here I am in the middle of this mind body spirit fair laying down in this crystal grid crying and I'm like and I just couldn't stop it I wasn't sobbing I just had tears streaming down my face and so um, Sue pulled me out of the grid and shoved a a black fruit pastel in my face and I always remember thinking thank goodness it was black because that happened to be my favorite at the time and the point of this is I wasn't grounded I had no intention of like what I was doing. I wanted, I wanted to experience it, but the grid, I just went, oh, that one's empty. I'll pop into that one now. And so I didn't know what that grid was actually good for. It was in a space that was filled with other people's uh, like energy. And I didn't know how sensitive I was to energies, particularly crystal energies that were anything to do with the earth. And um, there I was crying my eyes out and everyone's like looking at me and staring and going, oh, look at her crying over there. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it turned out, that that crystal grid was for uh, grounding and the skeletal system. And 
earlier that year or possibly the year before I'd gone snowboarding and broken my coccyx so and I did as, as I was laying in the grid I heard a crack and then I started crying and I had no idea what was going on so intention is important the environment we experience these things are important so maybe not best just to be walking down the high street and being like oh yeah let me just call on this right now and I've no experience of doing it before it's probably not the best way to go about it anyway so you're grounding, you're being in your body, you're, you understand what your preferred sense is and now you're going to like connect with this energy. And of course, sometimes, as I'll share in a moment, we don't always get to like start off our journey like this. But if we think we have been contacted by an energy, if we feel there's something around us, if we want to have more insight into something, this is what we would go back and do to ground, to set our intention, to get clear on how you know, how we communicate with ourselves and intentionally. And then you could just be, be with the energy, ask it to like, say that you're open and willing to work with this energy. You could set an altar to the energy and then you could either like meditate, you can use imagination, you could use divination as a form of communication, or you could use journaling as a form of communication. And just sit and ask questions of that energy. Um, you know, is that the energy that's around with you? How's the best way for you to communicate with it? How is it going to communicate with you? Um, and so there's lots of things that you can do that are very structured to help you do this. And sometimes the energy is just there and you just know it. So, for example, if I ever go into like the woods or anywhere nature-ish, I'm just very aware of like energies that are around us. Um, I'm not sure if I've actually shared this on the podcast before, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure actually. Maybe, maybe I have. Um, so when a neighbour where I live passed away, I, hadn't, I didn't know they passed away. And I suddenly had, I was like, oh my God, my house is full of gnomes. <laughs> and, I, and I know, like logically, how mad that sounds. It's like, really? You had gnomes in your house? That sounds very good. My sister is a mental health nurse. I hope she never listens to my podcasts. Anyway, um, <laughs> I just suddenly had like this image or this, this like, well, more of a feeling that there were lots of creatures in my house. And I was like, um, and I actually remember sitting in the chair, looking across at my partner and I was about to ask him, sweetheart, do you think I've gone crazy right now? I mean, I didn't tell him what I was seeing. Um, I mean, I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know whether I should ask him if I seem okay right now because this doesn't actually quite feel normal. Anyway, um, it turns out when I started like communicating with these gnomes in my house and I was speaking to um, an intuitive slash psychic person, I was like, you know, can you just like help me? What's going on here? And it turns out that these gnomes had been living in this gentleman's house for a long time or in his garden for a long time. And when he passed, they came to my house because they wanted sanctuary and, I, and they just wanted looking after. And I can remember I was on a call with my group and I was like, hang on a minute, there's um, one of the gnomes has come to see me and they've just given me this enormous cuddle. And it's like, oh my God, they just want to be looked after. It's like they had lost their person that, you know, they were, I don't know, they'd probably been there for a very, very long time, decades and decades um, in his like crazy wild garden. 
And suddenly they just wanted looking after us. So I was like, cool, I've got a gang of gnomes to work with. But they were only here for about a month. And then like they were in the house. I could feel them just like being mysterious. They weren't like doing anything, but I could just feel them like playing and like enjoying the garden. And then one day they were just gone. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> so sometimes things come in for a little while and sometimes, you know, um, like I work with the goddess Caradwin and she's been with me since I kind of connected with her probably oh my gosh it's probably like seven or so years ago and I imagine she'll be with me forever um but who knows <laughs> you know as they say some what's it relationships come in for a, a reason a season or a lifetime and you know it's probably no different with the energies around us so when I usually go into like I said I feel very connected to earth energy so when I go into a forest it's like I can very much feel the energies and one time I was in, I was in the forest of Dean actually, which is a place in the, the UK. And I was, I was laying on the ground. I could see what I could only describe as a she, um, like a, like a fairy. Fairy's a bit of a, um, uh, not the right term, but like an, an, an Irish she. And it was this like fully grown person laughing at me going, oh, you puny human. And I was like, you can't say that to me. That's what the Hulk says in the Avengers. Um, <laughs> um, it's, but it's not. It's, I think he says it to Loki. I'm so terrible at quoting films anyway. Um, but it was just like this, this character was in the trees just looking at me laughing. And I was like, yeah, thanks for that. It was just like almost like that trickster energy of like you're taking yourself far too seriously, you know, like lighten up about things. And so sometimes I see things like very, very uh, like viscerally like that. But sometimes it will just be an energy. I'll just be walking through like a forest or by the stream and I'll just get a sense of like the, the nature spirits being around me. But not really more than that, because I don't intentionally go out to work with those energies. But I just get a sense that, you know, the the world is alive around me. And um, I remember being quite freaked out one day, actually. I was at the swimming pool and my little boy was learning to swim or having swimming classes, I should say. And I suddenly got this really strong sense of all the like the water spirits in the water. And I was like, oh, that's really lovely. And suddenly I had this, it was, I just heard this voice and it just, it just like was clear as day. And it just said, do you want me to save your child? And I was like, what? Oh my God, is he in danger? You know, and I was just like, I had this like real mum moment of going, oh my God, is he okay? Is he in danger? And I could, I could see him swimming. And I was like, oh my God, is the water going to hurt him someday? And they said, no, no, no. They don't, do you want me to save him? And I was like, well, of course, <laughs> you know, if he's ever in trouble, save him. And anyway, I didn't think anything of it because I mean, like, it, it it wasn't like it didn't feel threatening or anything like that. Anyway, um, I think it was either the next week or the week after his next swimming lesson. They were doing life saving skills. Never in like the whole like seven years he's been going to swimming swimming lessons have they ever done life saving. And it was just it was just really curious to me that like the next week or the week after suddenly he's having to take his pyjamas in and they're doing re rescue drills for each other. And, you know, that was quite some time ago. And I'm pleased to say that he is, you know, very, very safe and a very good swimmer. So, you know, sometimes <laughs> weird stuff happens like that and you're like, oh, okay, that's curious. And so when things like that do happen, it's a really good idea to take note of them. How did you feel? How did you feel before you went into, I don't know, the forest? Maybe you had a bit of an encounter with something or felt some energy about something. 
if you remember um, quite a while ago, I had Holly Wharton on the podcast and she was sharing about how she went into the forest and got lost and the trees gave her directions out of the out of the forest. Um, and so sometimes we can have those kind of encounters. And then when we make a note of them, how we felt, whether we listened to the advice or not, what the outcome of that was and how you felt later. It's really important to note these down. And I am terrible at keeping notes about things like this. But when you do keep notes, you can go back and you you start to gather data. And what that does is it, it reminds you of the truth of your experience. Because it would be really easy to say, oh, of course that didn't happen. I just imagined it. Or, oh, maybe I was just feeling particularly happy that day or particularly like grumpy that day or, you know, whatever it was. Maybe it was indigestion instead of like just that sense of knowing something. But when it's written down, it has a validity to it. When we've written down how we felt, what we sensed, our experience, there's there's no wiggling out of that. There's no tricking ourselves or convincing ourselves that it wasn't true. It just was. And then when we've had that happen a few times, it can be like, oh, every time I happen to notice a feather on the floor of a particular colour, or every time I hear that song and it feels significant to me, this is what happens next. Or I can't believe it. I've seen this, 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 and now that again. Oh my gosh, that must be a sign. But when we've got it recorded, it feels truer somehow. It's like we believe it because it's written down. And so this whole exercise and the the part of like the important part of writing it down is because it allows us to build trust with ourselves. Now most people that I encounter don't 100% trust themselves. And if you don't trust yourself, you're going to really struggle to consistently trust those messages that are coming to you, the energies that are wanting to work with you, are wanting to support you, are wanting to guide you. If you can't trust yourself, it becomes really difficult, like I say, to consistently trust those things around you. So when we write them down, we're building up that energy of trust. We're strengthening that connection with ourselves and with the energies around us, which is why I've said, you know, like when we can do things like divination and journaling, they're very, very tangible. And that sometimes it's an easier way for us to receive information rather than dismissing something as, oh, I just imagined it. Like when I had gone to the church and I was looking for that like really, really incredibly ancient you and I thought I found it. And the crow said to me, no, it's around the back of the church. And it's like, I didn't question that. I was just like, oh, yeah, thanks. And I walked around the back of the church and oh, there it was. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone else heard the crow saw that. As it went, cool, cool, cool. What I heard was, that's not the tree, it's it's around the other side of the church. And I always remember um a friend of mine, her father had passed. I didn't I didn't know him at all. There's lived the other side of the country. And she said, Rebecca, what's his message for me? And I was like, I don't talk to dead people, that's a bit weird. And she and I but before I could say anything, it kind of like channeled out of my mouth. And then I went, Oh, but you know, I might just be making that up. And she said to me, Don't you trust yourself? Oh my gosh, I can remember it like hit me around the face like a wet fish. I was like, oh my God, of course I trust myself. And that's one thing I absolutely do trust myself. And I was, and she went, so is it true? And I was like, well, it must be. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, that is true. And it's like building that level of trust with yourself and those energies around you. 
you know, I've shared before. It's like I've said, like, oh, there's a there's a dragon flying around my my um, office right now, and it's not mine because it. I see dragons as more like like the worm shaped dragons, and this was like a dragon with the big wings, like a Welsh dragon with with the wings on the Welsh flag. And I was like, that's not how I see dragons, even though when I'm in Wales, they're, they're not like that for me. And uh, and I, I just have so much like trust that I knew that the group of people that I was working with, it would resonate for some person in the group. And sure enough, they're like, oh my God, that's my dragon. And um, that shows up when X, Y and Z. And I was like, oh, oh good, it can go now. Um, it was a bit bigger than my office. It looked a bit cramped. Um, but of like having that absolute faith in when that energy comes through, it's like, yeah, but you have to remember, I do this day in and day out. You know, it's my job. <laughs> and so if this is new to you, maybe not expect that level of clarity initially or that level of clarity consistently. For some people, absolutely, they will get that immediately. And for some people like me, it just built over the years as I started to believe in myself more, trust in myself more, like hone my skills, refine my skills like all good relationships, they take time to build and they take time to maintain. It's not something you can do once a year and be like, yep, done. <laughs> next, what's what's next on my magical list? It's like, this is how it works. So, you know, I do work with the goddess Caradwin and how that came, someone asked me recently, actually, like, oh, have you ever shared about how you worked with Caradwin? I'm like, I'm sure I must have done on some podcast. But anyway, let's officially do it right now. So, um. I can't remember how I first came across her, but I was Googling, oh, do you know what? I would have been looking for information on Inanna. Um, Inanna in Ishtar, that was the first goddess I ever um, felt drawn to. And I was like learning about their their myth and their history and their symbolism. And then I come, came across like the term dark goddesses. And I was like, oh my God, what's that? And I started looking and Caradwin came up. And maybe it's because I live next door to Wales. Maybe it's just because I thought, oh, that's a nice name. I don't know. But I started researching a little bit about her. And, you know, she was, it was what I had seen at the time. She was like the goddess of transformation. Well, that she was a goddess. Um, That she was like the goddess of witches and magic. And I was like, oh, I like the sound of her. And I didn't really give it much more thought. And then um, I was reading a book by Sharon Blackie, If Women Rose Rooted. It's a brilliant book. And the story of Caradwin is in there. And I was like, oh, there she is again. And then I was Googling something else. And I suddenly came across a priestess training. And the priestess training was was uh, planned to happen in Wales. And it was February. And the training was happening in October. And my little boy was very little. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I can make this happen. So it was like going to be uh, two years, two years of training, um, like a one weekend a month or like what, like every sabbat, so like eight times a year um, in Wales. And I thought, oh, that's doable. I looked at where it was in Wales. It wasn't too far away. And um, I was like, that sounds brilliant. But it wasn't until October. I never planned that far in advance. I was like, it's February. How do I know that I'll still be interested in doing this in like, you know, all those months time? And... So I was thinking about it, but something about it kept calling me and, you know, she would just start popping up in like really odd places. Like I say, I was reading a book. There she was. Wasn't expecting her to be in the book. And then the icing on the cake had been, so this had happened before I just discovered about the priestess training. 
I, it had been my birthday. Oh no, that's right. No, I had seen the priestess training, sorry. And I was like, okay. So my birthday's the end of January. And a friend of mine, I, I had no idea. I wasn't expecting a gift from them, but it arrived really quite late, almost like a month late. <laughs> so it arrived at the end of February after I had seen the priestess training. And I was umming and ahhing about, oh, should I do this priestess training? I'm not sure if it's something I really want to commit to. I'm not sure if, you know, that's that's quite in its commitment of time, but also like of spiritual energy, really. And so this gift turned up a month later, just after I was umming and ahhing. And it was um, a bath bomb from Lush. It was called Caridwin's Cauldron. And I was like, okay, then. <laughs> there it is there's the energy and so I said yes and then I went off and did another priestess training in the meantime that I knew would be a different type of priestess training and then I went to go and do the Caridwin priestess training and it ended up being moved down to Glastonbury so I ended up um, training down in Glastonbury and one of my favourite stories about that training is at the end of the first year you dedicate as a sister of Caridwin and at the end of the second year, you dedicate as a dedicate as a priestess. So at the end of the first year, we went to the lake, uh, the the shores of Lake Bala, which is Lake Bala is the um, the lake associated associated with the Caridwin myth. And we were dedicating, and um, we ended up like one by one, we'd go into a grove and we would do our dedication and you know do the the whole ritual that we were doing. Anyway, I had this little pocket goddess of Caridwim. And again, it was made by Molly Rima, who we've also had on the podcast. And she does these like little story goddesses. They're made of resin, so they're really hardy and they're perfect for like traveling in, putting in your pocket, like having in the car with you. And I had a Caridwim one. She was purple and she had this little chain belt on her with a cauldron. And so I'd had this for probably over a year and it had traveled with me for, for every um, class. I had this little tin and I'd put in there like a little traveling altar and there'd be this little statue of God, um, Caridwin. There'd be some other things in there as this little traveling altar. And every time I'd gone, I always had her in my pocket. And so when we did this dedication, I went into the grove. She was in my pocket. I did the dedication. It was all very lovely. And then when I went back to my hotel that night, when I pulled her out of my pocket, the belt had broken and the cauldron had fallen off. Now, if you know the story of Caradwim, in the story, after a year and a day, so our dedication had been about a year and a day, she's, the, the cauldron is being stirred and then three drops of inspiration leap from the cauldron, end up somewhere they weren't supposed to be, and the cauldron cracks and it like poisons the earth with everything else. You've got these three perfect drops and everything else is like spoilt. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, could you get anything more symbolic after a year and a day of training to dedicate as a sister of Caridwin to have the cauldron break in my pocket? And I was like, okay, there we go. <laughs> it's like, and of course you could go, oh, well, Rebecca, over the year, year, it had just got weakened and it just broke on that night. It was a coincidence. But I mean, of all the times, of all of the dates that it could have broken and all of the moments it could have broken, it was then. And so I still have the chain and the cauldron, but I've never put them back on her. I've let them stay broken. Um, and so it's things like that. You could 
go, oh yeah, just a coincidence that. And you could live your life <clears throat> as if those coincidences didn't mean anything. Or you could live your life as if all of those coincidences mean something, or at least, you know, a lot of them mean something. And, you know, maybe that's me creating a story. It's not hurting anyone else. And it feels real to me. And actually, that's what's important. If it feels real to you, who's to say that it's not? You know, if it's doing no harm to anyone else. And that's the thing, when we're working with those energies for our highest and most loving good, they are never going to tell us to hurt ourselves. They are never going to tell us to hurt anybody else. So as long as we remember that, it's the same as our intuition. It will never speak badly of ourselves and it will never speak badly of other people. But once again, in our noisy, noisy, noisy world, our speeded up fast (laughs) on steroids world, those voices, those nudges, those intuitive hits, they're, they're quiet. They're not jazz hands. It can be quite exciting to go, oh my gosh, did I just get a message? But actually, you're not going to find the answer from that heightened jazz hands energy. You're going to find the answer when you take a breath, when you put, you know, you like ground your energy, you put your hands on your belly, perhaps, or over your heart and ask yourself, was that a message? Did I have that moment of connection? And from that place, that clear grounded place, that's where you're going to find your answer. And so when I work with Keridwim, for me, although it didn't make logical sense, there was a knowing, there was a remembering of energy. And that is really hard to explain. When you know something to be true of the mysteries and the very fact that they are called the mysteries is because they are mysterious. They don't actually make logical sense. They might not be in a book. Everyone's experience of it is different, but that doesn't make your experience wrong or less than. It makes it your experience and not somebody else's. Those energies that want to work with you, they are going to communicate in a way that they know you're going to listen. So maybe that will be through songs. Maybe a friend of mine, I just love it. (laughs) She sees everything through signs and like literally signs. And she'll be like, oh my God, Rebecca, this bus has just gone past and it had this word on it. And it's like confirmation for the thing that she's working with. Or something will flash up as like something that she hadn't seen before and it will be there. And so that's how she receives signs and signals and nudges that she's on the right track. Does it matter that she doesn't associate a particular energy with that? No, the universe is a good enough energy to work with. The energy of, like when we look at the energy of gods and goddesses, I I mentioned Ishtar and Anana. Well, they're pretty much the same energy, but from different times. And, you know, their stories are so interchangeable that you could call one Ishtar and Anana and switch the names around and people probably wouldn't even notice the difference. And so it's those energies that we're connecting with. And then we put a a face on it, a name on it that allows us to connect with it, that allows it to make sense for our brains. So whilst I might perceive a dragon energy, someone else might perceive that as a different type of energy altogether. Perhaps they see it as a fairy energy or the energy of an angel or a unicorn, but the energy presents to us in a way that our little human brains can understand that. And again, knowing it's okay However you experience it. Um, 
that you just, the more you keep notes of those things, the more confident you're going to be in your own being, in your own knowing. And something that's actually really, really important is that you choose. If you don't want to speak to an energy, you don't speak to it. If you don't like the feel of the energy, you tell it to jog on by. This is your choice. Um, I, you know, I made the mistake once of like talking about Cowden once and flippantly going, oh, she claimed me. And it felt like she did because she suddenly was everywhere, making it very obvious she wanted to work with me. I could have said, actually, now's not the right time for me. And she would have left and that would have been it. But I didn't. I chose to say yes. And I could say, actually, I don't want to work with you anymore. And I could do that right now. Just the same way that if you're in a relationship with a human person, you can show up every day and continue to commit to that relationship. Or you can go, do you know what? I think it's time to go our separate ways now. And then you get that choice. Um, If you keep yo-yoing with that relationship, the relationship's probably going to get a bit strained and they might just go for good. Like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Oh, maybe I do. You know, that energy people will only put up with for so long. And that's probably the same with the spirit energy too. So we get to choose, although like I do flippantly sometimes say, it's like, oh, I was claimed, but I did have a choice in that. Um, So you are an active participant in all of those relationships. You get to decide on the quality of the relationship. And just like any human relationship, the more time and energy you put into like developing that relationship of creating respectful, healthy, boundaried relationship, the more you're going to get out of that relationship, the more nourishing, the more nurturing, the more supportive that relationship's going to be. It doesn't mean you need to build like a temple for them, but just sometimes like I, I have in my office, I have quite a few like statues and pictures of Caridwim. And sometimes my dedication to Caridwim is just nodding. All right. <laughs> And that's it. Sometimes it's lighting a candle, burning her incense, you know, saying prayers, connecting with her, journaling with her. And what I do as a journal is like, I'll write me <laughs> and then I'll ask my question and then I'll put C and that'll be Caridwin's answer. And we'll have like a call and response, like written like that. Sometimes I'll do a meditation where I journey with her or go to visit her or walk through the woods with her and like gain information or how I can show up and support her in that role. Um, sometimes I'll just draw cards. I'm like, what do you want me to know? And I'll draw a card. I'm like, yep, thanks. <laughs> There's the message. Or can I have some guidance on this? But I always make sure I have given as well as receive. So if I need help, I know that I have given to that relationship. That I'm like, help, I need some guidance right now. And I don't feel bad because all I'm doing is taking. I'm giving as much as I'm taking, even talking about Caridwin now. Maybe you've heard of Caridwin. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you'll go and explore a bit more about Caridwin. She is a brilliant, you know, goddess or you know, whatever um, you would like to imagine her as. Um, just as brilliant. I've just done another training. I think it was over like three or four months um, with Christopher Hughes on Caridwin. Oh my gosh, it was just amazing. A whole new insight into, into her and why she is important, like, possibly more now than ever um so we can do things like that like if there's a goddess or 
a god that you feel called to or there's just something about it that resonates or remember or that you remember about or maybe you're like suddenly like i feel called for dragons rebecca i'm not sure why but i'm just curious about them it's like go read about them go find artists drawings of them and find out which ones resonate for you explore the stories the myths where do they show up how have they been portrayed what resonates with you and what doesn't and it's like this is how we start to build a relationship we get to find out about them and in the world we live in today we have so much incredible access to information you know <laughs> discernment some of it some of it might be a bit nonsensey but some of it is going to be really really valuable as well and you can connect to other people that work with those energies and learn how they work with them not so that you copy that but so you're inspired. Like you might go, oh, do you know what? I am going to do some journaling with, I don't know, a dragon. And maybe you get nothing from it. We'll give it another go because maybe you're just in the wrong mood. And then if that still doesn't work, give it one more go, three times, bit of a magic number. And then if it still hasn't worked then, it's like, well, okay, try something different. Maybe using oracle cards or dream work or visioning or you know, walking the land or talking to friends about it or reading poetry or writing poetry about the energy you want to work with is a more fruitful way for you to work. But all of it is about, don't be distracted by the energy of jazz hands. It's like sometimes you can get like one one moment, you're like, oh my God, that's it. I'm, I'm connected forever. And maybe you are, but it's about building that relationship. So less focusing on like that distraction noise of that energy and more about um, staying curious, remembering that it takes time to establish any relationship. So I would love to hear your thoughts and your experiences about connecting to those energies around you. You know, whether it's deities, whether it's um, mythological creatures, whether it's just the energy of your land and knowing that, in fact, if you're, if this is something you're like, oh, I'm not really sure about any of this, Connecting to the land energy is a really good place to start because you know how different landscapes feel different, made up of the same elements in different ratios, I suppose, but they feel different. And even if you go to two different beaches, they feel completely different and just start to notice that and start to think about what are the myths of the land? Who are the creatures, who are the gods and goddesses of the land that you live on, that the land that you visit and start to become curious about how the people, the ancient people, gave names to the spirits of the land? Because that's a really fabulous thing to do. It's like, you know, I grew up in Cornwall, the land of piskies and brownies <laughs> and pirates and witches. I live in Herefordshire now. It's a very different land. It's a very different feeling. Um, and I lived in Shropshire, which is one county above where I am now. Again, completely different energy, full of their own myths and legend. And a little bit like two miles down the road and I'm in Wales. And every single time, as soon as I drive into Wales, even though where I live now used to be in Wales many, many years ago. But when I like, kind of cross the border, I can feel the serpent energy the dragon energy like dancing along the side of my car every single time without fail it's really really interesting and um, probably because I did some work to free the dragons 
on the land once at a church with some yew trees. Um, anyway, that's probably a whole different story. Um, but yeah, you get, you can really notice the energy of the lands. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, that would be a really good place. Explore the myths, the legends of your own land, the creatures that are said to live in your land, whether they're piskies, whether they're fairies, whether they're dragons, whether they're gods and goddesses. It's like, there is so much, I don't know if truth is the right word, but we'll go for truth. But there is so much truth hidden in mythology, hidden in the energy of the lands. And that's something very, very tangible that we can very viscerally feel when we go from one place to another. Like I say, even if it was two beaches, the two beaches feel very, very different. Even if they look very similar, they'll feel very different. Just like people. (laughs) They may look quite similar, but they're going to feel very, very different. And so, like I say, in the comments, if you're on Spotify, comment in the Spotify section. If you're in my community, come and chat in our community. If you're listening via the app, leave your comments. Let me know how you experience the energies around you and who do you love to work with? Come and share your stories and inspire each other because it is fascinating. Um, Everyone has a story. And if you don't have a story, you will have a story. (laughs) So thank you for joining me and I will speak to you again very soon.